You think for yourself? We like that around here. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. When it comes to uh, education, especially public education, we are at no shortage of debates and controversies and, and conflicts. But let's talk about results. And the reality is, is that for most of the country, public education is not delivering the results that they used to, certainly, or that they should pretty much everywhere. Could part of that be the schools simply not responding to the needs of children, particularly young boys? I know that sounds like a strange question, but it's an important one. I'm Mike Ferguson. I was looking through a number of the newsletters that I get. One of them is uh, The Lion from the Herzog Foundation, and we'll tell you how to subscribe to that. It's free, and I get it. And there was an article written there called America's Public Education System is Failing Boys, and it was written by uh, Jillian Schneider, who joins me right now. And uh, Jillian, a lot of people would say, well, wait a minute. What's unique about what's happening with boys in the public education system? Sure, that's a great question. One of the problems that we're seeing is that boys are being overdiagnosed with some of the common learning disabilities. So dyslexia and ADHD specifically are almost double of the rates among boys than it is among girls. And the reason for that is very simple, which is that boys' brains develop differently than girls when they're young. Boys' brains emphasize spatial functioning, mechanical functioning. You know, they want to be physical. They want to be active. Whereas girls' brains are more geared towards verbal functioning. So things like written communication or verbal communication is is more natural to them. And yet we see the school system doesn't tailor anything to boys. It's tailored almost exclusively to girls. And we see that reflected in test scores, even graduation rates, that across the board, girls are getting better grades. They and they're graduating high school and even attending college at at higher rates than boys are very consistently. If we're talking about, I mean, are we talking about a misdiagnosis of something like ADHD or, or dyslexia? Are we talking about they just get it wrong because of boys being rambunctious or is there another way that you could look at it? Um, you know, I mean, or is there simply a higher rate of ADHD in boys, for instance? Sure. I mean, uh, there could be that, that that's possible, but I think just the fact that it is, it is overwhelmingly in young men that these things are diagnosed again, it's twice the rate it is among young girls that it, it makes us think, well, maybe it's not just you know, not just a a biological difference. I think it is a fact that teachers or or even parents don't know, understand how young boys' brains work. And so they put a label on it and say, oh, this, something needs fixing. This is wrong. This needs help. Especially in our era where, you know, masculinity and some of those traditional behaviors are looked down upon this whole toxic masculinity movement. So I think that's definitely part of the reason. It may not be the only reason, but I definitely think that it's part of it. What are some of the most common ways that schools address this Because if you've got a diagnosis, then typically there's some kind of treatment and I'm a lot older than you are. And of course, it's not uncommon for somebody my age to say, boy, we had none of this back in the 1970s and 1980s. And now it seems like we've got these diagnoses all over the place. So either we were really wrong back then or we could be really wrong right now. But if a kid is mis or overdiagnosed, then what happens with whatever the treatment is? Sure. Well, in some cases, there are even drugs that they might put a child on to try to help calm their behavior. One of the other things that I wrote about was that girls' bodies actually produce more hormones that promote calming effects and boys' bodies don't produce that. And I think any parent or anybody who's worked with kids would, would understand that and see that just played out in real life. And so sometimes boys might be given in the case of ADHD, they might be given a, a drug or some sort of medication to try to you know kind of take the edges off of that rambunctiousness. 
Or in other cases, they might be given extra homework, extra time at school, you know, tutoring, doing one-on-one to try to help um, catch them up with their peers. When in reality, it's not that they're unintelligent or that they don't understand. It's just that they're developing differently. And so they're learning in different ways and at a different pace. The article is called America's Public Education System is Failing Boys. You can find it at readlion.com. It was written by uh, my guest right now, uh, Jillian Schneider. Okay, so then what's a better path. If you're a parent, you've got a young child, a young boy, and you say, I want to get the best education for my son. Uh, What do they need to be aware of when it comes to the schools and these diagnoses? And what would be some of the changes we could make to prevent a miss or overdiagnosis that could limit a child's educational opportunity? Sure. I think one of the most important things that that parents can do nowadays when it comes to children's education, whether they're in a, a public school or a private school or any other type of school, is what Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. You know, listen to what the school says, listen to what the teacher says, but make sure that you are observing your kid, working with your kid. And one of the problems we have nowadays is that, you know, a grade report might come home that says the kid's doing fine. They get all A's or A's and B's. But the reality is that they're not actually learning. They're struggling, but the grades don't reflect that or the teacher doesn't, you know, communicate that to the parent. So trust but verify. A parent needs to, you know, be aware if their kid is struggling. They need to to be hands on and understand you know, what is not serving them in this environment and to be willing to try different things and figure out a better solution. And that may mean just a little bit of tutoring to help the kid catch up, or it may mean that they need to be in a different environment. And at the end of the day, the parent is the one best able to make that call because they're the one who knows their child best. How prevalent is this right now? And you talk about these diagnoses, how prevalent is it at this point? Is this just an outlier of a a couple of kids here and there, or is this something that's going to be far more common than what a lot of people would think? I I don't remember which number goes with which condition, but I want to say probably somewhere between 10 and 15% for boys being diagnosed with ADHD and or dyslexia. So not, you know, not an overwhelming majority, but certainly a a substantial number of young men in public education. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at millions of uh, children in public education, 10 to 15%. If that were any other condition, that would be considered an out of control pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Does it seem like, I mean, when you look at a number like that, which is, I mean, just medically, statistically speaking, that seems out of the realm of possibility. I mean, it just seems that way. I mean, maybe there's something causing it and, you know, I'm not going to claim to be a doctor, but does it, um, are are there any indication that the schools, the public education system could be taking some kind of shortcut to more control a kid and a behavior as opposed to dealing with where that kid is in their behavioral development? Absolutely. I'm not of the opinion that boys have become more rambunctious. I think boys have probably always been rambunctious, but I think the system has become more rigid. And in order to get kids through the system, the school has to clamp down on that sort of behavior. And I I empathize. If you're a teacher and you have 30 kids in your classroom and boys are acting up, it, it would be frustrating to have to deal with that. But the reality is that that teacher and that student are in a system that's not really built well to serve either of them. And so the problem is not you know, the child's behavior so much as getting them in an environment where they have an opportunity to thrive and where their natural inclinations can be channeled into into healthy behavior and not destructive behavior. 
I, I just want to point out on the radio, make the claim that I was always perfectly behaved in uh, kindergarten and grade school. And, and at the same time, I hope my mom's not listening to this uh, interview right now to uh, call me out on that. Okay, uh, uh, Jillian, so then where do we go from here? I mean, are there, there policy or just trends or cultural changes that we need to be making to put the uh, boys back in a position where they're not being held back by a misdiagnosis or by a shortcut of some kind? Yeah, I absolutely think that um, the culture of of toxic masculinity is really undermining young men and because it's communicating to them that something about them is is wrong and needs fixing and that they need to be something that they're not. And I don't think that that's healthy. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why we see that men have a higher unemployment rate than women, because they're being demoralized by this message that they need to just, you know, sit down and be quiet. And that's not what their brains want to do. Their brains want to be active. They want to be engaged. And so I think dealing with that underlying message of what is you know, harmful aspects of masculinity, but the positive aspects of masculinity and focusing more on the positive. And on the policy side, absolutely. I think that there are things that state lawmakers, federal lawmakers, you know, even local school boards can do to encourage parents to to take um, charge of their child's education and things to increase the flexibility so that kids have as much access to as many different types of education models as possible. All right. Uh, Readlion.com is where this article is. You can also subscribe and get their free newsletter. I do that as well. Uh, Jillian, uh, people want to follow what you're doing. What's the way to do that or be in touch? Yeah, the best way to follow what we're doing is you can follow us on Facebook or The Lion. You can look at our Twitter feed at readlion.com. And if you want to learn more about what's going on in Christian education, you can also follow what we're doing at herzogfoundation.com. All right, uh, Jillian, thanks so much for uh, being on the program. Appreciate it. Thank you. And the Herzog Foundation actually offers uh, materials to Christian and also homeschool families all over the country. So HerzogFoundation.com is where you'll get more information. More American Viewpoints coming your way just ahead. Mm -hmm. 